You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. The gospel reading uh, this morning, uh, it reminds us of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, but it also reminds us of what our job is, what, our, what we're tasked to do. And so Jesus tells us at the end of Matthew uh, 28, verses 16 to 20, and he says, the 11 disciples uh, traveled to Galilee, uh, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. And then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Just, I, 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 I love a Trinity Sunday. Uh, at the same time, it's going to be a difficult one. I just appreciate each one of you being here uh, to, to share this um, with our church. Because it's our namesake here, isn't it? Trinity. Um, at the, uh, at, at, I'm going to begin with, a, with a, just a brief story. That I found. It wasn't my story. It was a good one that I found, though, and it comes uh, with regards to uh, the Jewish faith. And there was a Jewish father who wanted to raise his children, wanted to raise his boy in the Jewish faith, and and at the same time had been so busy he wasn't able to do the good job that he had hoped. And so he sends his son to Israel. And he sends his son to Israel for about a year, and he's excited to, when upon his return to hear, well, how, how did this go? What happened? And the son comes back and he says, "Oh, father, thank you for sending me to Israel to learn about our fathers." to learn about our roots. But I must confess that uh, while I was there, Christianity, and, uh, and it got, uh, the dad says, oh my goodness, what have I done? And in the, in, the, uh, in the tradition of the patriarchs, he goes to a friend of his and he says, you know, here's what I did. I sent my son to Israel and, and uh, you know, thinking that he was going to be stronger in his faith and he comes back a Christian and, the, and, the, and his friend says, you know, you're kidding. I did, I did the same thing. I sent my son to Israel, and he too came back a Christian. And so the two of them are talking about, well, what should we do? Well, you know, in, the, in their tradition, we must go to the rabbi, and we've we got to tell him. And so they go to the rabbi, and they say, they say Rabbi, uh, we, we have sent our sons to Israel and, and, and to, to become stronger and deeper in their faith and understand their roots in, in Judaism, and, he, and, and yet they come back Christians. And the rabbi says, it's crazy that you're coming to me because the same thing happened to me. I, I also sent my son to Israel, and he came back a Christian. And so the rabbi, in his wisdom, says, we, we have to cry out to the Almighty. We've got to pray. And so they get on their knees, and they're, and they're weeping, and they're praying to the Father in, in heaven. They, they pray to the Lord Almighty, and they say, Lord, uh, tell us. We, we sent our sons, and they came back Christians. And, and the, the, the clouds parted, the sky opens up, and a voice comes down, and the voice says, it's, it's funny that you should be calling on me for this because I too sent my son to Israel. And uh, there you go. So I don't know. It was a good story. So it was a good story. 
So anyway, um, this is, uh, I'm just going to give you a little bit of warning that this is going to be somewhat of a, uh, a doctrinal lesson, kind of a history lesson today, and, and I'm, I'm going to be sounding very uh, teacher-like, and those students that think they're done with school, it's okay, it's going to be just fine that you're back in school for just a moment, um, and uh, there'll be some things that, are, that might be confusing in and, um, and that as I go through, but I'll ask you to bear with me, because it is Trinity Sunday uh, it is the Sunday that uh, comes right after Pentecost, uh, and it's the day that the Christian church historically celebrates one of its central beliefs, and that is of a triune God. So we're going to go through that today. Uh, but, but prior to that, I'm just going to begin with these truths, um, and I'll probably end with something similar, but recognizing that our Father in heaven loves you. Our Father in heaven not only loves you, but he sent his Son uh, to die, to pay the price of sin so that we wouldn't have to because we have no way of doing that. Uh, And they, in turn, sent the Holy Spirit as a gift to guide us and convict believers of their sinful nature, that as they're being transformed into a closer and closer likeness in the image of God, that that we have that guide. Um, And I I just ask you uh, to let us respond in truth by seeking to know him more. That means we read our Bibles, and we're going to go through a lot of Scripture today. Again, I ask you to bear with me. We're going to be reading his word. I ask you to continue to pray and experience answered prayers and let that be a proclamation of letting people know. I just talked to somebody right after the church service last last, uh, uh, time and they said, you know what, I've started to tell people about my answered prayers. And I said, that's awesome because that that just glorifies God and I encourage you to do the same. And uh, letting our lives reflect those beliefs that we claim. Let our lives do that. So there are many who question the Trinity, uh, God in three persons. I'm just going to keep moving here. Uh, each person is divine, yet there's only one God. And Heather did a great job of, of doing her best with the egg to, to try to explain these things. And, uh, and normally when we use the word person, of course, we understand it to mean the physical individuals. And they're, they're separate, three persons. Uh, but in God, there are three entities, three beings. It's all one God, three persons. God is a trinity of persons consisting of one substance, one essence, and within the single divine essence are the three persons. I put that up on the screen because I, I wanted you to kind of see what that looks like, and it, it doesn't necessarily make sense. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but each of them is not God on their own. They're all God, three in one. Each of the three persons is distinct from the others. And the specific word Trinity, some people will say, well, Trinity is not found in the Bible. We might get an argument like that. Trinity is not found in the Bible. The word the Trinity is not found in the Bible. This is true. Uh, of course, neither is the Bible found in the Bible. And so that doesn't mean that it's not something that, that uh, we have to be worried too much about. In the same way, omniscient, which, which, means, which means all-knowing, omnipotent, which means all-powerful, um, the, uh, the, the omnipresent, which means all-present, all-time. None of those words are biblical either, yet we can accurately use them to describe our Father in heaven. We can accurately use them to describe God. And so uh, in, those, in those ways, uh, even though some would say, well, the Trinity is really not true, um, it's not in Scripture, it's just not a valid argument. Some dismiss the divinity of the Son and Holy Spirit because there is a subordinate level. There's a subordinate kind of order uh, written in Scripture. And this is true. There's a subordinate level in Scripture. The Father is first. The Son is second. The Holy Spirit is third. Well, if that's the case, how can they all be God if there is a subordinate uh, level? So let me try to explain that a little bit clearer. Um, 
If we look at, uh, for God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life in John 3.16, uh, we, we see that that is an indicator the father is not begotten but the son is. And so there's a subordination role there. In the same way, uh, Jesus said, when the counselor comes, uh, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. In John 15, uh, we, we know that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. Again, a subordinate role. And we can also read in 1 John, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we're going to visit this later as well, because it is so important to understand that. The Father sent the Son. We see that. So in, in seeing those things, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you and everything will remind you and, and will remind you of everything I have told you. And so th- this is the role of the Holy Spirit. So as we read these things, we go, okay, well, we, 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 okay, I get that, but what does each do? If they're all the same, if they're all God, is there a specific duty assigned to each of these? And, and I, I, I just want to say that it's so important uh, for us to understand these because it's an opportunity to uh, not only defend our faith, but just explain it better to our brothers and sisters, which is why it's so important for us to read our Bibles always. Uh, the Son and the Father send the Holy Spirit. So the Father creates, the Son redeems, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. Uh, what, is, what do we mean by that? If I look at Scripture, I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. We know that the Father is the Creator. The Son redeems. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And finally, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Sanctify is another word uh, for purifies or, or slowly is, is a refining process. The Holy Spirit is refining each believer, each one of us who claims to be a believer. The, the Holy Spirit is refining each one of us, to a closer and closer likeness to that of God. It's actually one of the indicators of, of, of what does it mean to be a true Christian? Well, it just, I, can see, I can see that sanctification process going on in my life. I see evidence of that. Paul said, I am a, I am a special messenger from Christ, Jesus, uh, to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So the order doesn't mean, um, when we look at these things, when we look, the order doesn't mean that the members of the Godhead are not equal or divine. And in a similar way, the Scripture teaches us uh, the, the union marriage, the marriage, uh, the marriage of, of uh, what, what, a, what a marriage is. A wife is, is, is described scripturally to be subject to the husband. But that doesn't mean not equal. It doesn't mean we, 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 that, that one puts the, the needs in front of the, There's equality there. It doesn't deny equality any different than... The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's equality across the board. Even though one uh, might have a, uh, a different descriptive role of subordination or subject. Uh, there's critics of the Trinity, and this is one of the reasons why I'm sharing this with you when Todd asked me to, uh, to teach on this. Uh, there are people who would say, you know, uh, the, the Trinity's not real. In fact, some of them, you, you, we would all claim, wouldn't, they must know their Bibles really well. Um, they, they, people come to our doors sometimes, and they got Scripture in hand, and they just want to talk about their Scripture. Raise your hand if you've ever been visited by somebody who knows Scripture really well, but they're not of the same Christian faith that you and I are. So how do we deal with that? Well, you know, we're talking about Jehovah's Witness. Even Muslims are familiar with their Bibles. Muslims are familiar with our Bible, and they go, wait a minute, this, the Trinity's not real. No, there's, 
And, and, and they see this subordination as proof that the Trinity is false, even though that is one of our founding beliefs. And in all honesty, I, I, think, of, um, I think of our church, you know, and, and, and I love our church. I've been a member of our church for over 20 years, and I, I, I worship downtown, and I, sometimes I worship out here. I, I, I have the, well, it's a really, really a nice gift for an opportunity for me to be able to speak um, out here and, and, uh, and, and at, the, at the downtown site anytime I get to and be asked to be filling a role of, of, uh, of interim pastor. I just love that. It's a gift. Um, but the truth, is, uh, when I think about our church, um, I don't even know that we really pay close attention to it other than it's, it's in our name. So what, what, I, what I'm saying is, you know, when I, when I think of, um, when I think we have a difficult time justifying our beliefs, we need to understand Scripture. It's, again, it's why we need to read. Uh, whether we're talking to an unbeliever, a Jehovah's Witness, or a Muslim, uh, whether we're talking to a brother or sister, it's why we should pay close attention here. And um, it was pretty cool. Last uh, service, I actually, it was a, a student um, that was, had her Bible open, and she was, I said, what were you doing during, while I was talking? She was I, was, I was highlighting Scripture you were going through. And I encourage you to do that as well. That's why it's so important to read. Some also say that if Jesus were truly God, he would not be subordinate to the Father in any respect. And we know that Jesus was sent, and being sent, however, does not contradict sameness or the essence of God. In fact, uh, the Son uh, is sent doesn't mean that he's not divine any more than my wife, Cheryl, sending me to the grocery store doesn't mean I'm not human. You know, it, it just, just because one is sent doesn't make it mean that it, there's, there's not a divinity there. Saying that there are three persons in the Godhead leads some people to suggest that there are three gods. And I was really pleased to hear when Heather asked the question, how many gods do we have? The kids, one, we have one God. Yeah, absolutely, one God. It is not a polytheism. Our Bible says there's only one God. You know, I know it's not easy to understand or explain. In fact, I I ran across a a quote of St. Augustine, uh, one of the greatest, earliest theologians of our Christian faith. Uh, St. Augustine, uh, probably second only to uh, St. Paul himself, and St. Augustine says this. He, he said, Anyone who denies the Trinity is in danger of losing their salvation, and anyone who tries to understand it is in danger of losing their minds. That was his quote. So I thought that was good. Because there's a mystery there. And, and, and you know, it took the church about 300 years. That, that Nicene Creed that we read, that was written, uh, I don't know, 325 A.D., somewhere around there, about 300 years to produce the Nicene Creed that we said. And some churches say it every week, and, and it's just a great reminder of what are our faith foundations. So when that comes up, soak those words in. And some people might even raise a challenge, you know what, Jack, does it really even matter? Come on, we go to church, we're on Sunday, we throw our offering in the plate, and that's a good thing too, and we do some fun stuff, and we have Bible studies. Really, does it matter if there's a trinity? That we worry about this Trinity Sunday thing? Can we just kind of glaze over that and go on with the next topic of our sermon series? And the reality is, yeah, it does matter. It matters because it is the uh, foundations of our faith. If we are Christ followers, we must understand that Christ is, that our Lord and Savior is God. It's the very foundations of our faith, built on the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's built on the Trinity. Of course, it's our church's namesake, and, and we should try to understand it. So the Trinity is implied in all scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. One of the key verses it's held uh, by the Jews, Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And Jews and Christians both believe this, that there is only one God, and that sets us apart from actually a lot of world religions. Many, most world religions. Also, during the creation story, during the creation story, God says in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And note what it would have said there is uh, it is only one image and there is only one likeness, yet that's, so that's singular, but the plural is also used. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's Genesis 1. And it reveals basically the, the, the Trinity right within the creation story. It reveals our understanding, the fellowship of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right in there. And again, as we read our Bibles, these things become, they come to the surface and, and not everybody... Uh, not everybody understands that. That's why it's so important for us to always read. Uh, some may say Jesus was just a man, you know, but we don't read that in Scripture either. Jesus was just a man. He was a prophet. He was, he was, he was a good man, but he was, he, was, he was just a prophet. But our Scripture tells us that he was not just a good man, not just a prophet. He, our Scripture tells us that Jesus is God, equal to the Father, second, the second person in the Trinity, in fact, John 1, 1 states, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we look at translators of the Greek over and over again, and you can look at any amount of commentary, and there is not one that will ever indicate anything other than John was in all ways proclaiming that Jesus is God. It's absolutely God. Jesus states this openly when he says, uh, if you read uh, John, in John 8, and by the way, if you've ever, uh, if you go on, on YouTube, there's a great movie, it's called The Gospel of John. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great movie. Um, it, goes, it just follows John perfectly. It's about three hours long, so you have to you know, do something about that part. But, but uh, John 8, it's a beautiful scene. And, and Jesus is, is there in and amongst other, other uh, Jews. And he says, one of, the, one of the things he says right at the end of John 8, before Abraham was, I am. And at that point, the, the, the Jews clearly understood how abrasive and how offensive that was to them because what he was claiming was, I am We read that because you know they were provoked because in the next sentence they're picking up stones because they wanted to kill him. So we look at that and, and, uh, it, and why do we know that that I am, before Abraham was I am, uh, before uh, when we look at uh, Exodus 3 and where God's talking to Moses and, and he's saying, well, who should I say sent me? Well, I am sent you. Jesus says that he is I am. That means I'm claiming I am God, that he is God. And so again, the Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And when we look at the Holy Spirit, there's a couple things, and, and I, I, I want you just to, again, continue just to hold, hold on with me here, because some people say, well, the Holy Spirit, that's just a force, right? We kind of like, the, the force is with you. That's where they must have gotten that in the movies and so on. The Holy Spirit is not a force, it's not an it. Uh, the Holy Spirit is also a person. It's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the all-knowing, all-seeing, ever-present God. Um, and, and when we think of the Holy Spirit, I, some of you have seen that movie, The, the, uh, the Shack, and I've read the book and I saw the movie. Beautiful movie, by the way. If you haven't seen that, it is a beautiful movie. It's not meant to be a, a, a theologically sound movie. It's a great story. But one thing they do there is they really do a beautiful job of representing God in three persons. They really do a beautiful job of that. But if we look at the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and, and we find Peter talking of the Holy Spirit in Acts 5 when he's talking to Ananias and Sapphira at the time where, where they were gathering all their possessions and that sort of thing and taking account of those things so they could share them with others uh, in the early church. 
And, uh, and, and Peter calls him out. He says, you know, they weren't, they weren't being truthful for the possessions that they had. They were trying to hold a little back. We oftentimes do that. We're trying to hold a little back. And, and uh, one of the things that Peter told him, j- just before Ananias is literally struck dead, just falls dead to the ground, he says, he says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to lie about these possessions that you have? You've not, you've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. So Peter knows the Holy Spirit is God. So before Ananias was struck dead, I, I, I think of that and I go, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Trinity. There's plenty of scriptural evidence to suggest that they, uh, to, to support that the Holy Spirit is truly God. In fact, we are called the temple of God, 1 Corinthians 6. Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells us. Believers are God's temple. That's why we're called to take care of ourselves. It's, our, it's why we're called to be holy, to be different. It's why we're called to, to look different in our neighborhoods, in our friend sets, in our sports teams, in, in, our, in our churches. It's why we're called to be different in our businesses. There should be no question that people see you differently. Wow, you're holy. They might not use those words, but they should see that you're different because the Holy Spirit indwells us. Believers are God's temple. One born of the Spirit is born of God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So we were created in the image of God, but have you considered that even before God created anything, in the beginning, there was nothing, uh, but there was still God, and he was in fellowship. He was in fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was a fellowship there. So there was always something, even before, and I I believe, my my thought would be that that's probably why we're drawn uh, in fellowship with other believers. That's what makes us drawn to other believers and wanting to be a part of that. In fact, this is one of the characteristics, if, I, if you're going to go through a lesson I, I'm, uh, on, on what, is it, what, what, is a, what is the characteristics of a, of a Christian. For, they're drawn to other Christians. They're drawn to other believers. They find comfort in that. So, you know, I, I think, um, I think I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close on this, and I, I, I apologize for, you know, because I know this was a lot, and I, I thank you for bearing with me on, on so much information. And, and sometimes when, as we go through this, it is confusing, and there is a great mystery. And if my explanation uh, offered, uh, offered a, a little clarity, I, I apologize. But if, in there, if there is confusion in that, let it inspire you to pick up your Bibles and read them and find out your own answer so you can call into account, so you can talk to your friends and your brothers and sisters in Christ, and so you can defend the Trinity because it is a founding faith of ours. And if it did clarify some things, that's great too uh, because uh, let it guide our conversations with the non-believers around us in our neighborhoods, uh, in our workplaces, in our sports teams, and so on. So I was asking uh, myself, you know, uh, what, what, what do we do with this information? Uh, Todd and I, when we met this morning, we kind of went, what are you going to do? How are you going to close this out? What do you do with this information? Because it's a lot. It's like a lesson. It's literally like you're sitting in a classroom, and I, I, again. But I decided, you know, I, I think what, what, I, what I'm going to do, I, I look at this scripture here. Um, this one, go, going back to it. Actually, I'm going to start right here. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. We went through this earlier. He sent the Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And there's, another, there's, there's different uh, uh, translations. And it says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, a substitute for our sins, the only one that would work. 
And, and I, I look at that, and I, there's a replacement there. In holy reverence, um, we act on those gifts of, of God's sacrifice. We act on these beliefs that we hold. And in a study resource, I'm just going to close with this, and, and uh, I'm just going to give you a little forewarning. My wife told me, Don't, Jackie, you should never close with this. She did say that. She said, Jackie, you shouldn't close with this. But I'm going to close with it anyway. Uh, and that is a, a description of this, what this propitiation really means because it, it, it's, it's life-changing. Study resource says this. It is only because of Christ's perfect life, his death on a cross, and his resurrection on the third day that a lost sinner, me and you, deserving of hell, can be accepted by a perfect God. It is a gift freely offered. There is no service sacrifice or gift that man can offer that will appease the holy wrath of God or satisfy his perfect justice. The only satisfaction or propitiation that could be acceptable to God and that could reconcile man to him had to be made by God himself. And for this reason, God the Son, Jesus Christ, came into the human world as flesh to be the perfect sacrifice for sin and make atonement or propitiation for the sins of the people. God in his infinite grace and mercy has provided a way that his wrath can be appeased and we can be reconciled to him. And that way is through the sacrificial death of his son, Jesus Christ, as payment for our sins. Amen? Repent and believe. God, I just love that. So that's what we do with it. We let our lives respond in faith that our Father in heaven loves us. We let that permeate our thoughts. We let that permeate our actions as we interact. Uh, we, we let our lives of thanksgiving be more than just coming to church on a Sunday or being a part of a, 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 a Bible group. I think that's beautiful. But we let it be more than that. We let it be a daily, daily walk, Sunday to Sunday. We let it be more than that and, and more than just giving pocket change in the offering or walking by some other, some other God's children and not responding to their needs in a meaningful way material way we let it move us to do something let's pray so father we thank you we thank you for your truth thank you for your message we thank you for your sacrifice that that we can't quite understand we ask you to help us we ask you to help us respond appropriately in ways that we allow us to know you more that we read your word daily, that we pray, and that we experience answered prayer. We ask you to let our lives reflect these, these beliefs that we claim. Guide us. Let your Holy Spirit come and convict us when we're, when we're on the wrong path, Lord. Let it come and convict us to push us in the right direction toward the shepherd, toward you, toward your son. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name.